It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Uh, let's go in the lab. Can you believe it, John? Can you believe it? We're here. Draft week upon us. It's taking a while, or at least it feels that way. It's taking a long time. I don't know, it feels that way. Once it gets to January and it's like okay let's just let's just do this thing already let's mm-hmm. just let's go yeah, I think I think NBA's got it right the NBA season ends in like late like early June and they do the draft like three weeks later it's like just just do it now the NBA only does two rounds but that's I wish we sort of did that I wish we could do it it would be interesting if we did the draft before free agency but then again I know the NFLPA would not want that because then a lot of jobs get taken away but from that perspective, it does take a while. I, we're, not worst case, but if you're not going to do it before the free agency, I wish we would have done it two weeks ago. Yeah. When they used to do it. The first couple of weeks in April. like that, I'd be fine moving it two months forward, though. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, I like the fact that we had the schedule to talk about last week. That mm-hmm. kind of got us over the hump, if you will. But it's like, now, okay, let's just go. Do you really need – I mean, do you really need pro days? Is that really necessary? You know, it is for, for guys that didn't go to the combine. Right. It's for those guys. Because I, I went to two of them this year, and I've gone to – you and I have gone to many of them over the, over the years. And, look, there – for every pro day you go to, there will be one where you go, okay, there's no reason to go to that pro day. Yeah. Well, why did we go to that pro day? Who did, who did we see here? Or couldn't, every, you do, couldn't, you do, couldn't you do them before the combine? You Theoretically. Could. You, you could, I suppose. But then if you did great at your pro day – then I guess people would want to say, well, why would you want to do the combine? I think the reason the combine is, is good is because all the conditions are absolutely the same. Yeah. Whereas if you do your pro day at Washington State versus doing yours at Baylor versus doing yours at Kansas, doing yours at Florida, you have all these different conditions. In some places you run on a track, some you run on a Hell, field turf, when I was you run working, on grass. When I was working in Lubbock, Texas Tech did their pro day outside one year in mm-hmm. 2006, and I saw a – Pretty prominent wide receiver prospect get yelled at by a uh, pretty prominent Titan scout. Yeah. But then in 2008, they did it inside in their old uh, their old indoor training track facility. They've got a new one now. Yeah. But uh, and on the side note, I saw Rylan Reed, pretty promising but older. He had played minor league baseball. Yeah, yeah I remember him. Left yep. tackle. Held yeah. a lot of fools in check in his career at Texas Tech. Yep. I think he benched. 225 about 51 times. He was, he was freakishly strong <laughs> yeah. at his pro day. Yeah. And then he went to run the 40, and he his knee basically exploded as he was finished, oh. and he didn't, never, never got drafted. He would have he played in the NFL. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, it's here. The draft is here in just, just a few short days. Mm-hmm. And I want to I ask you what these three names have in common, John. Okay. Justin Hunter, Corey Coleman, and Pat Mahomes. It's kind of a random grouping, isn't it? Justin Hunter – a wide receiver who was drafted in 2013 by the Titans. Yeah, to Tennessee. 2016's Corey Coleman, another wide receiver, drafted by the Browns. Mm -hmm. 2017, Pat Mahomes, quarterback, taken by the Chiefs, ahead of Deshaun Watson that year. What could those three possibly have in common, John? I think they're all trade-ups. I know Corey Coleman is, and I know Patrick Mahomes is. 
I'm pretty sure that Coleman was. I could be wrong on that, but I'm almost positive that Corey Coleman was a trade-up because I remember thinking who would be the first receiver off the board in 2016. And Will was in that conversation. Josh Doxson was in that conversation. Coleman was, I don't want to say consensus number one, but I remember thinking I didn't have Coleman coming off the board for a while. And then the Browns, I want to say, traded up. So are they trade-up situations? I can't uh, remember if Coleman was or not. Totally I, I don't that. know. That's not the uh, the, the connection. That's I was not where going. I'm going. Yeah, okay. you totally took this off. Okay. But that's all right. That's what we do here on In the Lab. Okay. Justin Hunter and Corey Coleman and Pat Mahomes were all in the final Houston Texans mock draft survey of that uh, year, 13, 16, and 17. Yeah. They were who most of the experts or the majority of the experts had the Texans taking in the first round. Yep. Now, finishing second in each of those mock draft surveys, if you want to go chronologically, 2013, most experts had DeAndre yeah, Hopkins, Hopkins going to the Texans. In 16, most experts had Will Fuller going to the Texans. Yep. Second. Second most behind these yeah, guys. Yeah. And in 17, second Watson yeah. and Cam Robinson were the uh, they split the <laughs> That's vote. Interesting. So the second finisher in the mock draft survey in three of the last five of them that the Texans have had a first-round pick, uh-huh. has wound up being the pick. So, right now, it, unless something drastic changes, it looks like Andre Dillard is going to win the Houston Texans mock draft survey. So Which we'll, means we'll that give he's him a not, big high five. Yeah, he's going somewhere else. But the second, the guy, if, if it looks like his, his second tally holds, mm-hmm. Cody Ford, Oklahoma offensive lineman, has the second most votes right now. But I went back and looked at some of these. Uh-huh. Peter King has been right on a lot of them. Mm-hmm. He he called Will Fuller. I mean, he he uh, it's in sixteen. He yeah, he, Will. He, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting knowing that and knowing what he wrote about yesterday. Since they, Which they is a trade the up scenario, might trade up, and all we've been hearing is that the Texans are going to trade back. And now we're starting to hear from some of these national guys that they might trade. Well, up. I'm starting to, I'm starting to doubt my own self because I thought no <laughs> chance they trade up. Well, here here's a couple of things. Number one, I, I think I think a trade up in a mock draft. Because, look, when you do your mock draft, you can do one of two things. You can either just draft as is, which you know is not going to happen, or you can start invoking trades. Well, to trade up, first of all, you've got to have a team that wants to trade down. And the teams that I've talked about trading down are the Lions. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard Miami, but I wouldn't be surprised if Miami. That makes and, sense because they want to add yeah, volume uh, picks. The Jets. Now, nah, three is too far to, to move up, I think, and. I know it's. I think it's too cost prohibitive to move up at that point. But those are teams that talked about moving down. So you gotta have teams that move down, and then and that want to move down. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the fact that the Texans have a pretty distinct need in that being in the offensive line. Yeah, and you could say corner, but I would think to go up and get one of the top three guys: Jonah Williams, Juwan Taylor, Andre Dillard. And I would think they would go Taylor, Dillard, then Williams, but. Either way, I, I, I think Jonah Williams is a heck of a football, play, football player. And I think for us, he end up, might end up playing left tackle. In the end, he might play, be a right tackle. It might be Brian Balaga, basically. Balaga was left tackle at Iowa. He moved over to right tackle for the Packers and was a really solid player. Has been a solid player ever since he got there. Mm-hmm. That might be what happens. But I think Jonah might start out at left tackle and then move over to right, depending on what happens. But that said, you've got a distinct position need. And the Texans have, I don't want to say excess draft capital, but they've got, they've in got addition, ammo. they've, they've got, got some ammunition. Yeah. So all of that, when you when you factor in all of that, 
not to mention the teams that have the Texans have been mentioned about trading up. Mm-hmm. Those are teams that, like I mentioned, Detroit, Bob Quinn. There's a New England connection. In Miami, Brian Flores just took over as head coach. There's a heavy Miami connection there, even though Chris Greer is a GM. There's a big-time uh, New England connection there. So sometimes you find teams that you want to, to deal with. And here's another one. You know, Denver might be in a situation where it's, it wants to trade down as well. And last year, John Elway and Brian Gay, I mean, Brian sat here and told us, boy, John was really easy to work with, John Elway being mm-hmm. the uh, president of operations there, that John was really easy to work with. You throw all of that together, the fact that there are teams that want to move down, the Texans have a distinct need, they have excess draft capital, that, that extra second rounder that they have, and it makes a lot of sense that they're a team that everybody pushes forward as far as, hey, this is a trade-up, this team I could see trading up. Yeah. Because the other aspect of it is it's an 11-5 football team from last year that if you fix that need, how much better can this team be? So it makes a lot of sense. The, there, there's one person in particular in the national media that I, I pay attention to more than any other because I, I think that he is the one guy that he's, I think he's known. Time out. I just mouthed when you said that, the one guy. I just mouthed the name who I know because you and I are buddies. Yeah. We talk and we share things. Uh-huh. And this guy gets under your skin like nobody's business yeah. over the last five years. Oh, We're not going to say his name. No. But I just mouthed his name when you said that. Mm-hmm. And you uh, you put one of your fingers up at me yeah, I told telling you me you were I was one. number one. You were yeah. number one. Go ahead. Yeah. So this guy so, that you talk about, not the guy that I mouthed. Yeah. Anyways. Um, he also had a trade scenario. And I, I tend to, to trust a lot of the things that I've heard him say over the years. Albert Breer. From MMQB now, right? Yeah. Is MMQB? A lot of times what Albert Albert says, I I trust. And I don't know if it's because I trust Breer, but I know that guy does his legwork. And he, a lot of times, is you hear him say something, and it doesn't so much come to fruition you know, right away or or even at all, but it's like, whoa, okay. Does he's connected, he, man. He's, he's connected. He's never, he's never just going to go right. off and half He has a trade-up. He has yeah. a trade-up situation yeah. in his mock. Or I don't know if he did a mock, but he said there are two teams to keep an eye on, Houston being one of them. I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, not Maybe Carolina? I can't remember. But there was another one. As I think it's Carolina. Being, yeah, as far as being positioned to move up that way. Because, because and his reasoning have. was Texans have two second-round picks. Carolina's got two third-round picks. Yeah. And so that's – that's been – I've seen that more – I don't know how many mocks I've looked at, and Houston has been a trade-up in every single situation. Yeah. Every single situation. So, I I won't be surprised – I've said this before. I won't be surprised at anything that happens. I don't care what it is. Yeah. I don't care if we're sitting here at 23 and the Texans drafted Kyler Murray. I wouldn't be surprised at anything. I think that would be strange. But I wouldn't be surprised at anything. I've seen these drafts. You've seen these drafts. Well, let me give you a little. There have uh, been so many different things that go like, well, I didn't see that coming. Let me give you a little factoid that I think we don't always remember at this time of year. Or we're not remembering this time, this year. Uh, Texans have not stayed put in the first round since 2015. They moved up in 17. Yeah. They moved up in 16 to get Will Fuller. Just one spot, but one they spot. moved up moved to get up. him. Yep. Moved up drastically to get to Sean Watson the next year. Didn't have a pick last year. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while since they've stayed put. And then I want to veer back. I just have this gut 
in this, uh, and I don't think it's it's anything outlandish, but I really have like a mild crush on Jonah Williams. The Alabama. I think he yeah. is just, and I think he can play left tackle. I, I think, think he, he could too. And I think yeah. he could be really good at left tackle. And just based on based on what I saw of him at the combine when he was meeting with people, talking with people, based on what he did in college, I just I think that guy's just so he looks so dependable. Drew, there are two guys. I mean, there are a few guys. But there are two guys in particular that I know the things I know about them and what we know about this locker room and what Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien have talked about as sort of our kind of guys, mm-hmm. if you will. Jonah Williams is one of them. Yeah. Apparently, he sits down with a spreadsheet before every game. And yeah, he, that, yeah. And he goes through. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it, he, he's a gym rat. He loves the game. He's everything. He's everything you really want in a player. The only thing he's not is a really tremendous athlete. Right. And that's the one thing that carried Dwayne when he struggled the first couple of years was he was very athletic. Yeah. So he could, once his technique and all that kind of match up with the athleticism, you end up getting one of the great left tackles in the game. But I don't know that you could say that David Bakhtiari is a great athlete, but he moves extremely well. His technique is tremendous. He's tougher than nails. He studies. I mean, he's the. And he was a first team All Pro last year. Yeah, and and he was a fourth rounder. Yeah. Um, a guy that Texans could have had in 2013, but obviously <laughs> they didn't have a need in 2013. Yeah. So from that perspective, Jonah Williams and the other one is Dalton Reisner. Yeah. Reisner is one thousand percent ball, and I'll never forget we. I can't remember what game it was, but we had a home game. It may have been the Giants opener, and I was. I just remember this. I was down in the end zone, and we were getting ready for the game, and we get went to a break, and all of a sudden Dre goes Johnny, and I was like, uh oh. You know Dalton Reisner? I was like, oh yeah, I love that guy, <laughs> and he goes, I want that guy to be a Texan, and he goes. That's the quintessential Texan. And he, they had production meetings at Kansas State because mm-hmm. Dre was calling. I think it was K-State, Mississippi State, or maybe K-State, UMass, one of the two. He was calling that game, and they did the production meeting with Dalton Reiser. And he's like, Johnny, he's one of the most impressive dudes I've ever talked to hmm. in a production meeting. He said he's off the charts. I tried to get to him at the Senior Bowl, and there were like eight to ten people thick around him. I couldn't get to him. He, he, had, just, he, he literally good, was just holding court. And he had good practices that week, too. Oh, he, he had really good practices, great practices. He played at right nasty. tackle. Yeah. He's smart. I mean, he's he is he's a Texas lineman. I think Andre Dillard could be that. I think Andre's a little quieter. Yeah. You know, he's not he's not going to be a guy like Dalton that gets up in front of the you know, he Andre's not going to be bad, but he's he's just a little bit quieter the way that he goes about things. Reisner just is so good in, in speaking to the media and talking to people. And then he plays the game with a chip on his shoulder, uh, which I think is fantastic. I Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if all – you know, Jonah is off the board, Juwan Taylor's off the board, Diller's off the board, Grady Williams off the board, and they take Dalton Reisner. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at 23, and I wouldn't have a problem with that. Just get better. I wouldn't have a problem. He's going to end up making your offensive line better in the long run, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. But I, I'm with you, Drew. I think – you know, there's a lot of talk about Jonah going into guard, and I, and I get all that, but – yeah, Jonah struggled with Cleveland Farrell, and I had to get over that. I really had to get over that. I had a hard time at first, like, trying to get over that. Like, man, Farrell just really kind of ate him up. And I was like, is that where the athleticism or lack thereof, like not being a great athlete, is that really where it shows? But I just feel like if you get him in your system, 
he's going to study every single day. He's going to be like Deshaun in that way. I think that's what well, we it, talked about a lot with Deshaun. When Deshaun got here, he took the playbook and just soaked it in, like every day. And sometimes guys have a bad day. Yeah, or sometimes there's a no bad doubt. match. I mean, Dwayne Brown will tell you himself. It was tough going against Dwight Freedy. No doubt, yeah. He said, Absolutely. I struggled against Dwight Freedy. I had bad days against Dwight Freedy. Sometimes you're just going to have bad days yep. against guys in the NFL. No doubt. But I think you take out that one game against against Clemson, um, pretty damn good oh, yeah. resume otherwise. Oh, you know? I mean, and the thing about it is – And he probably, he, probably, he probably learned from what he struggled with against that guy and knows – how to correct that. And probably forward. all offseason, Drew, he has worked at whatever it was that was giving him issues against uh, Cleveland Farrell. And sometimes it was Farrell's strength. And look, sometimes you're not, you know, you can only get so strong. But I guarantee the things that he didn't do that night against Farrell, um, he's going to want to do better and he's going to get better. And that's what you know about him is he's going to work his tail off to get better. One worry I do have about I do have this this worry about Alabama guys. As the Alabama guys come into the league, and they have success, but they get beaten up in college. Yeah. Nick does not back off. Plus, and they so, play like 15 games a year. Right. He's playing the title right. game, the semifinal game. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jonah's only played three years at Alabama. So, he's not like he's not a redshirt senior where he was there for five years. And he played four. He played three years. He played a lot of football. Uh, just you would hope that he's, he's held up body-wise. I mean, we just found out today that Rashawn Gary is dealing with a labrum tear in his shoulder that could send him down the draft board, could not. He could play with it the first year. It's really up to teams. I mean, you know, Montez Sweat's dealing with heart conditions. Some of those things, you just don't know how that's going to play out on draft night. But I'd imagine I haven't heard anything medically on Jonah Williams, but I just know that the, the Alabama guys come into the league pretty, pretty beat up. I remember C.J. Mosley coming into the league from Alabama going to the Baltimore Ravens. and He had tape everywhere on him. I loved him as a player, but I just worried he was going to break down. And luckily he hasn't. And, that, and, if, and if that player doesn't from Alabama, you know they're going to be a good football player because they've gone through the ringer. I mean, Nick has put them through the process well, in, played, at Alabama. They played and, in the Crucible week in, week out in the SEC. And then yep. in December, January, they do it again. In playoffs. Yeah. And, and, and you just, Multiple times. You just reminded me where I was going with this point, and that is, a lot of what Alabama does, we also do. They run zone game, we run zone game. They run a little bit of power, we don't run as much power. You know, they run a little bit of it. So I think it's easier to look at a guy like Jonah Williams and say, and this is where I think looking at Dillard, you've got to project a little bit more. Yeah. In that, okay, could this guy could this guy be a good run blocker for us? If he is going to be a good run blocker for us, is he going to be more a power guy? Is he going to be more of a zone guy? I think he's going to be more of a zone guy, but either way, point being, with Jonah Williams, you've seen it. Yeah. You've seen what he can do. The projection is probably a little bit um, easier to make from that perspective. You know where his floor and ceiling are going to be. Whereas you look at Dillard, as much as I love him as a pass protector, as a run blocker, you go, ah, man. He was on an island. Yeah, when, that you, when, when those wide splits in Leach's offense, it's, a, it's and, and listen, it's a just one on one a lot of times. It, even if they're going to run the ball at all, Drew, but, they may not even run the ball. But it's not like Leach's quarterback history. I mean, his quarterbacks have been great in college, and really, they yeah. never wound up uh, lighting it up in the NFL. Right. However, he's had some offensive linemen f- flourish in the NFL. Louis, Louis Vasquez. Louis Vasquez. Yeah, first one. Manuel Ramirez. Manny Ramirez. Yep. Um, he's done really well. So, yeah, over the years, he's had some guys who have made it and, and been solid contributors in the NFL. Yep, no doubt. I, I, I'm i with you. I like Jonah Williams. I've, I've kind of, as the process has gone on, I've probably 
learned to like him a lot more than I, I may have earlier in the process. He seems like he's the devil you know, man. Yeah, I think that's the you're devil you right. know. I think like it's a you great know way what he's gonna what he's gonna do for you. Yeah, it's no doubt. And I think solid. that's what's different from a guy like Greg Little too. Like you watch Greg Little and you go, "We don't really do any of that." Mm-hmm. So you're really making a projection on a guy that's like, "Oh man, I don't, I don't know." You're really making a projection with Jonah, like you said. You know what you're gonna get. Now look, you might get a B plus versus you know wrong with that. A plus, but you're going to get B Compared plus to what you've all seen the here, time. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you, you take a B plus every single day of the week. Okay, I'm going to Nashville on Wednesday. Uh, when, Thursday during the day, I'm going to talk to our, our buddy DeAndre Hopkins. He's nice. going to be presenting the second round picks. He'll be calling out the names and numbers. So, but before that, I'm going to catch up with him, see what he's been doing this offseason. I want to find out what – the one thing he's worked on this year has been because last year he was catching golf balls and tennis balls because he wanted to work on his hands, which is amazing. So I want to find out what, what the greatest in the game is doing to get better because I know he's doing something to get better. So I'm going to find out that and a few more thing, other things from him. We'll, uh, we'll talk with you guys live right before the draft, 6 o'clock hour on Thursday night. And then um, if our guy's there, we're going to mic him up, follow him around. Do some one-on-ones with them and have a good time. But I can't wait. Nashville's going to be fun. You, on the other hand, will be here. That's right. Starting, what, 73 hours straight of uh, yeah. draft chatter? It feels like radio? it, but but you know how I am. Mean, we get the draft rolling and things happen. They're, it's always exciting. And I think one thing about the draft is even, you know, everybody wants to know what the Texans do. But yeah. there's so many moving pieces that happen before that. Because everything Brilliant. that happens on draft night, everything that happens 1 through 22 impacts what you do at 23. So, to me, it's almost, you know, okay, one picks one through ten, you know, we didn't see this particular position. Okay, is that boating well for the Texans? Potentially it is. And all of a sudden you see a run from 15 through 18, and you're like, oh, man, there are all our picks going off the board. Yeah. All of it impacts and number 23 and then 54 and 55. And so that's why I have, I have a lot of fun doing it. So we'll do the draft show with me, Mark, and Andre on, um, on Thursday night and then Friday me and Mark with Paul Gallant, radio-wise. And then Saturday in the morning, it's me, Sean Pendergast, and Wade Smith. And then the second part is going to be me, Mark, and Mike Meltzer. So looking a, forward to it. I love doing the draft. It's uh, one of the fun things all year. It's a talented set of lineups that you just named off. And that first night, not to knock the other guys on the other days, but that first night, I mean, that's that's about as perfect a lineup as you get because you know the college game. I mean, you're calling college games locally. Yep. You study the draft, study you're, – you're always in here in the in, during the season, during the offseason, studying tape. Andre Ware, every single Saturday night, Saturday day, he's calling game. a college game. Yep. You know, and then he comes in and calls the color on our games with Mark. Yep. And Mark knows the Texans like the back of his hand, knows yep. the team history and everything. So, I don't know if you could pick a better trio to comment about the Texans draft than you three guys, and I can't wait to listen to it. I think I'll tell you a quick funny story. Uh, we'll go to in the lab story time real quick. Oh yeah, we were in the time. we were in the studio last year, and we had the draft party on Friday because we weren't making a pick till third round on Friday. Mm-hmm. So we're in the studio, and you, you everybody's seen our our stay our our, our desk. Mm-hmm. They've seen our three sixty. Yep. So I was sitting in the spot basically that you sit in for three sixty, and then Dre was sitting next to me, and then Mark is in the spot that you you were over there. And so Mark's got the computer in front of him, and he's tracking trades and everything, and Dre's next to me. And so we're, we're kind of watching things go, and, and the Texans don't have a pick, so we're more concerned about what the other teams are doing, mm-hmm. what's going on. And one of the, the big themes of last year was the quarterbacks going in the first round. 
So Baker comes off the board, then Sam Darnold comes off the board, the Bills move up and get Josh Allen, and then the, the Cardinals trade up to get Josh Rosen. So the only quarterback that's still there that's sitting in the green room is Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And Lamar won the Heisman in 2016. So there's this fraternity of guys that have won the Heisman. and so Andre's one of them. Andre's one of them. He won it in 1989. And so Lamar's mother handled everything pre-draft. She handled everything. She didn't, she didn't do any media, nothing. But she connected with Andre, and the only interview that she allowed Lamar to do was one with Andre hmm. for ESPN. And so they connected even more, got to know each other. So we're sitting here, and one of the main figures in the draft is Lamar Jackson. And at some point, Dre's got his phone in between us, and so Dre's to my left. And so he takes his phone, and he just slides it over in front of me. And so we're getting <laughs> into the 20s. And he slides it over, and, I, and he shows me. And I look, and it just says at the top, Lamar. And it's just a short text from Dre. And then it's a text back from Lamar Jackson. And I had been watching, and I was like, I saw Lamar pick up his phone at one point. And I was like, oh, my God, I just saw <laughs> Dre texting Lamar, Lamar reading it, time. texting back. And it's, like, happening all right in front of me. And so, you know, basically, Andre was like, look, you know, this, this thing can go sideways in a minute, man. Just, just hang in there. So we get to pick 30, and it's Jacksonville. And we're like, we can see it coming. We can see it coming for like five picks, and we're just like, you know, I look at Dre, and I'm like, look, I know we all want Lamar to be drafted. Because I, I think I thought Lamar was going to be great, and I, I still think he is. I think he's as dynamic as you get. And I look at Dre, and I'm like, look, I love Lamar too. I do not want to see or hear his name at this point. And when Goodell says, Jacksonville Jaguars select, Taven Bryan, we went nuts. <laughs> we went nuts. We went crazy. We're like, oh, yes. No knock on Bryan. And then two picks later, he ends up going, and Dre texts Lamar again. And of course, Lamar was in the midst of going through all his media at that point when he goes to Baltimore. But it was just so fun to sit next to Dre. He's texting, you know, He's texting the guy everybody's talking about in the green room, and it was it was just awesome. It was a really wild. cool piece to have during that draft. That is it was wild. the first year that Dre's done the draft with us, and we had such a good time that he's coming back for our draft party, so it's going to be fun. And that's going to be really good, and you'll see uh, Lamar Jackson this autumn when the Texans take on the Ravens, but it's better than seeing him twice a year because I'm like you. I think he's got a nice, bright future. we got a bright future. The draft is coming. <laughs> Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-